0: Welcome to the University Elite Mental Health Podcast, where your host, Dr. Hans Watson, helps you to learn the why behind mental health issues that you or someone you love may be facing. Dr. Watson is a nationally renowned psychiatrist who is also an expert in psychotherapy, a war-proven leader of the US military, and the only person we know to be an expert in psychiatry, psychodynamics, diet, leadership, trauma, addiction, marriage, education, and more. That's why he was the expert that was flown in to the other side of the country to train the therapists treating the victims and their families after the recent mass shootings you heard about in Florida. We are excited to help you to understand the why behind some real life situations. And now, your host, Dr. Hans Watson, Dio.
1: Welcome back, everybody. It's uh, Doc Watson here once again with University Elite, and we're allowing you to come in and uh, share in the conversation that Jerem and I have each week. Um, this week, we're, our our, uh, our podcast is coming directly off of the questions that people have submitted on the website to the Ask the Doc question section, and so uh, I'm quite interested in this, uh, excited to do it, that it's fun to be able to help people see how uh, psychology and psychiatry and medicine applies to real life and so let's jump right in J- Jerem go ahead and tell us what was the question that we're going to be uh, answering today
2: okay to this week's question is does the why really matter that
1: much ah this one you know anybody out there who's been looking at it and looking at the website uh, we're, we're about to launch the the all the other things on the website that, that weren't currently uh, there. And so we're excited for that. But what we're looking at here is um, we use even the slogan, learn the why. And so the question of why does that matter to really learn the why, that's an important one. That That's actually fundamental. And um, people who aren't able to find the why, they're probably going to tell you it doesn't matter. And people who do tell you who are able to find it, they're going to tell you it does matter. And so we're going to use some examples um, now that you say that, I immediately in my head I have a couple of examples popping in, and we'll talk about, you know, the difference of somebody that can see the why and can't, and hopefully illustrate those. So, how does that sound to you, Jeremy? If we if we jump right into that,
2: sounds great to me. Let's do it. Well,
1: the first one that comes to mind is is um, you know it, There is a real push in mental health these days to stop having to figure out what's causing the problem and instead just start to group symptoms together and try to treat them and i can understand that because it's a lot harder it took it takes thousands and thousands and thousands of hours on top of what would normally be the normal thing so i went to medical school and then i graduated residency and i passed the psychology or excuse me psychiatry and neurology boards um, uh, so I'm board certified in psychiatry and neurology. Um, that's a better way to say it. And uh, in the end, it was all the hours on top of all of that that helped me to see the why. Uh, we have produced a couple of videos on that for anybody that wants to go to the online content section. You can, you can look at that and, and the inside, uh, for instance, the Three, three False Beliefs webinar, uh, you'll be able to see it in there exactly. Uh, what it took to get this way. Well, the majority of mental health in the meantime has been kind of abandoning that. If, in fact, if you even look at the DSM-5, now the DSM-5, that is the book of Diagnostic and Statistics Manual. That's what establishes what the criteria are for different diagnoses. Well, if you look in the DSM-5 on any condition, very little is mentioned on what will cause these conditions. Instead, they just say, if you have five of the following symptoms, you know, have this and this and this, then you then you get this diagnosis. But they don't tell you what's causing it. Why? And the simple reason is uh, not everybody's a physician. Not everybody does those thousands of extra hours. In fact, very few people do. So not everybody can tell you that. Instead, they just say, these symptoms mean you have this. So. These symptoms mean you have depression. Therefore, I give you an antidepressant. That matters because what's causing those symptoms is not always treated by the same thing, and so it's not their fault. Even the even the um, even the DSM five doesn't highlight the causes anymore. This is old school stuff and and quite elite stuff that most people aren't doing. So this is why it's going to matter. Let's use an example for that. I had a I had a um, young lady that came into the office um, one time and she came in because she had been married a few different times and this was a very uh, physically attractive young lady was still young um, very personable just wonderful many would say this was the this was the catch this is the one you'd want to you'd want to have and so um, she came to me saying um, you know doc Watson, I've been to all these things, and I've been married three times, and in all three times, I kept, the marriages fell apart within a month or two, and I kept struggling with it, and so I've gone to multiple counselors, and they tell me I have a, a, uh, I struggle with commitment, is what they said, and I said, okay, well that would, that would definitely affect a marriage, and I said, now how is it you struggle with commitment, and so the young lady said, well, it's that, I, um, it's that I haven't had the marriages last more than, than two months at the longest. And I said, well, there's a lot of reasons that a marriage might not last. Struggle with commitment isn't necessarily what's causing it. That's more a symptom. And so let me look at this with you, and let's make sure that that's what it is. So we started looking into it because I was searching for the why. And when I asked this young lady, okay, so have you struggled to be faithful to boyfriends um, that you've had in the past? Well, no, that's silly. Why would I struggle to do that? Have you ever been unfaithful? Have you ever had an affair? Well, no, why would I do that? That's, that's terrible. I, I would never. Okay. Have you struggled to keep jobs? Well, no. Um, you're, you know, she had a parent that was a, a single parent who needed help. Have you ever struggled to be there when, you're, when your parent needed you? No, no, no. Have you ever been told you're not a friend who, no, just the opposite. People tell me I'm a great friend. That, and so as we looked at it, there was nothing in this young lady's life that indicated she had a struggle with commitment. She just wasn't having an ability to make relationships work. And so by the end of the, the appointment, I said, um, okay, and I spent about two hours with this young lady. I said, "You don't have a problem with commitment. Instead, it's something else." So you know, it was about halfway through the two hours, uh, two hour time frame, and about starting the second hour, I I started exploring more, and I said, "Okay, um, tell me about growing up." Well, grew up, and the the parent that raised this young lady never had had a boyfriend, um, had had uh, the other parent had been unfaithful in the marriage and there was some really bitter feelings to where the the parent that she lived with couldn't even talk about him without just coming unglued um and so never had seen an example as and their home wonderful people but you know what their home just lacked much intimacy and i'm not talking about physical intimacy i'm talking about That ability to connect emotionally on a much deeper level. And it just wasn't there. Everything was so superficial. So, this young lady was excellent at the dating portion, superficial. But a second it got to be intimate in that emotional level, she fell apart. She had never had an example of how to do that. And so, I started asking, I said, okay, when you're married, let's talk about your sex life. Okay. And she told me how she had never been um, sexually abused or sexually assaulted. That there was no abuse history there. Um, uh, denied all of that. And uh, instead, what she said was, well, I've never seen an example of parents in my life who even hold hands. And okay, what was it like then as you guys got married? Well, I get really excited to be intimate. And then I found myself hiding in the bathroom and not coming out. And I saw, you can just see. And so by the end, I started saying, "You have a problem with intimacy, not commitment." Mm. And this young lady just started to cry. and she said, "I have spent the last two years just beating myself up for not being willing to, to commit to something. And now you're telling me that it matters. I've never quit a job, I've worked a job, the same jobs for five to seven years. Uh, When I left, I I did that. I've never left a friend high and dry. I'm the person they call when they need a friend. you know. And just went through all these things. And when I finally said, you don't have a commitment problem. You have an intimacy problem. This young lady finally said, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to start there. So our therapy completely threw out the garbage of this is a commitment problem, who multiple counselors had told this young lady that. And we started working on intimacy now once we worked on intimacy within months this young lady was doing so much better that she actually and and this young lady had after the last marriage had fell up fallen apart fell apart i'm not sure the the correct english there (laughs) we'll go with it um she then actually said i'm not dating anymore because i can't take it anymore it's so embarrassing to have marriages that fall apart after a couple of months well later she came back and said, I'm actually dating somebody and it's going really well. And we worked on it a little bit at a time. And within a couple of months, no longer needed psychiatric care or therapy at all. And it gotten to the point that very, very good at connecting intimately with people. And we ended up getting married to, to a person with, with multiple children. And you wouldn't you know? one of the best parents a person could ask for, and one of the best spouses, and now has been married for many years with no problems whatsoever outside of what we consider normal uh, relationships. So, Jerem, that's the first reason that learning the why matters is because if you don't understand it, you can't help them to see what's really going on. And we're going to chase our own tail going around telling them they have a commitment problem. And this person was so committed, they were beating themselves up trying to figure out in what way they weren't committed for years and their self-esteem tanked, their relationships tanked. It was just a terrible thing. So they had actually made life worse for this person by missing what the why was. So I've did, I've done a lot of talking. You go ahead.
2: It's amazing to me with a, a background in engineering, it, the, the idea that there's an, an industry, especially an important industry like mental health that doesn't put the why first like that. Like it, if, if a nuclear power plant melts down, the first thing they do is try to figure out why it happened. Um, and everything that I did in the engineering, uh, why is this breaking? I, I, I don't know how many thousands of dollars I was paid to pull on a torque wrench to break parts and track down the data of how many pounds it was that that they were breaking at. Um, For weeks and weeks I did this for us to figure out why are they breaking inside the the actual, all all the machine that they went into. And so to, to me, it's like every industry I know, is very concerned about why things happen the way they do. And yet I can understand why that doesn't happen in this industry, because I've caught myself doing the same thing to my kids. When one of my older boys hurts one of the younger boys and he's trying to explain to me, no, that, that's not what happened. This is what happened. So many times I have just shut them down and been like, it doesn't matter. You've never hurt someone that's smaller than you. And it's like, I don't want to know what happened i don't want to know why you did it because i don't have the time and the patience to stop and like figure this whole situation out and i think a lot of people um are coming from that position they've got they've got another appointment they're running out of time they don't have time to go in and really diagnose this
1: and if you look at the 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 podcast um, or the insurance videos we put out, and the, the, we have the insurance podcast that uh, that's right. out, and if you look at that podcast, you'll start to see that doctors aren't paid anymore to take the time to learn the why. If you're taking insurance, you can't do that, and so what we end up seeing is, They're not trained to do that because even their training programs depend on insurance reimbursement or insurance payments in order to be able to fund the training. And so they're not paid to do that. So they don't do it. And so it really is turning into a lost art and I don't blame them. You know what? Psychiatrists back in the old days, you had to learn advanced psychotherapy and you had to be a physician that graduated medical school. So you had to be an expert in being a doctor and being a psychotherapist and you just don't see that anymore because it's too hard. In fact, I still study every single night trying to learn more and more cuz there's always more to learn. You know, a perfect example would be there was a young lady who came into to me and I've told this example before but I'll repeat it for the people that this may be their first one of ours they're listening to. Um, and she came to me saying, "Hey, I've been to the family med doctor. They they gave me an antidepressant because I have depression and Um, you know, it hasn't worked. So they sent me to you so you could turn up the med to, or change the med to the appropriate one, but I need my antidepressant uh, adjusted. And so I went ahead and said, okay, let's look at it. Let me do a full evaluation. So I started and yes, she had a depression. She met all the criteria from the DSM. And I said, okay, let's find the why. And she's like, what do you mean the why? So we started looking, and so I did a full medical review. Now, you understand, you go to a counselor or a psychologist, they can't do a medical review. They haven't been to medical school. Psychiatrist is the only one that can do both of these. And the problem is, most psychiatrists never get the therapy side. Most psychologists never get the medical side. So you're only getting half of the picture, either one you go to. Only a psychiatrist like myself, who spends the extra thousands of hours to to get good at the medicine and the therapy, which is the much harder part of that therapy, can you do this? So with her, I did a medical review, and wouldn't you know, she had symptoms that looked an awful lot like a problem with her thyroid. So I ordered a simple thyroid test, came back, the thyroid was, was not working. So what did we do? I went ahead and said, I'm not adjusting your antidepressant, because a thyroid can also cause a depression. And I didn't hear any psychological reasons for that. New mother loved being a new mother. Uh, Had a husband at home, very supportive husband. He was one of the reasons she wasn't more depressed. Um, New baby, she loved the baby so much. She looked forward to waking up at night and breastfeeding. I mean, this was the ideal mother. And so when we got back the labs for that thyroid, it wasn't working. So I went ahead and started thyroid hormone. It's a med called Synthroid, as we've talked about. Wouldn't you know, after her body had a chance to adjust to that, her depression went away. She lost weight. She started, her hair came back in thick. She wasn't cold in the hot weather anymore. Just everything started going. She felt great. And so then I said to the family med doc, hey, just please continue this thyroid medication. Needs to keep going. And shortly, we stopped all the antidepressants. She didn't need it. Whereas when she came in, it was, I'm struggling with depression symptoms still. Therefore, turn up our antidepressant. Here's the spoiler alert, Jerem. Mm -hmm. Antidepressants do nothing for a thyroid problem. You must have thyroid hormone to fix a thyroid problem. So if I didn't learn the why, we'd still be throwing more and more meds at this young lady and seeing more and more side effects. Whereas if I had just done the why from the beginning, I would have treated the Synthroid, which that is what I did, her previous doctor didn't. That's why it matters. Do you want to get better? Do you want to get the right treatment?
2: Absolutely. It's a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, so, so I guess the last one I would talk about is, is really understanding the why allows us to also help our patients to a much greater level. As you watch the, as you watch the, the video that we just put out called The Emotional Winter, we talk about how emotionally people are in an emotional winter, and it's like zero degrees, and your landscape is is like full of snow. It, people can find that on the universityelite.com at the other content section. But as we look at that emotional winter, if you just just are treating symptoms, you can raise that temperature a little, a little. So if somebody's starting at zero degrees and they have all that snow built up, well, most people who just talk about symptoms. Yeah, they'll raise you 20 degrees. But if you only raise them 20 degrees, you're not even to the melting point of water, which is 32 Fahrenheit. So now all of a sudden, yeah, you got good care. It was You got care that was appropriate, but they stopped because they reached the end of their expertise and they can't go anymore. And so that's where it gets. Do you want to get to your best self again? That's why the why matters. I had um, another example. There's there's too many examples of why this matters. Um, another example, which was there was a married couple, and I hear this one a lot. This is really common among providers. If you've if you've gone to our our three false beliefs webinar, you know the secret website where you can get the assessment and you learn about this. And so we had a provider who was not a seven point provider. And if you don't know what that means go watch the webinar get the assessment this will make more sense and they were probably at, uh, I hope they maybe they got three points it wasn't a great situation and um, so they were probably a three-point provider well I'll guess they, they certainly weren't a seven- point provider and this couple came in and they were an elderly couple um, in their 70s they were in there for marriage therapy now if you want to know a place where there is a mad concentration of three point providers and below <laughs> and seven point provider for those that haven't watched it seven point providers what you want you don't want a six a five or a four a three is really uh, you'd, you'd better not Be more damage than good working through Right. They can get the details in the assessment video um, that they get on the, 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 that is revealed at the end of the, the three false belief webinar. But this is a place. Marriage therapy somehow attracts one, two, and three point providers like Matt. And so you've, if you're getting marriage therapy, you've got to be careful. M- many of these providers have no clue how to find the why. And right. so, how are they gonna help a, a married couple? It's hard enough to get along with a married couple if you're doing everything right. As a married couple, if you're doing everything right. Now, what if you're what if you're screwed up and you don't know how to see the why, so you don't know? So now you just start throwing out things that you've heard that maybe have worked with other people, kind of like our gal. They just threw out an antidepressant because she had depression, whereas she needed thyroid hormone. Mm-hmm. This happens often in marriage therapy. I hate to say it, but if you are terrible, there's a good chance you're going to want to do marriage therapy. <laughs> and so, right. and, and we could go into the psychodynamics of that some other day, but so they get this and this couple tells me they've been to three different people and they come in and they said, so we're here to you so that you can help our marriage be better and you can save it for us. And I immediately said, Whoa, I'm not here to save any marriages. I'm here so you can learn the why and decide if what it's going to take to change and make it better is worth it to you. But I'm not here to save your marriage. I can't do that. I don't live with you. I'm not married to either of you. I can't make changes. Only you can. And they were kind of like, okay, yeah, we get that. We get that. And I said, and you need to know what I'm about to do is going to be hard for both of you. You're both gonna hate me because I'm gonna point out things that are ugly for each of you. And they both said, yeah, yeah, no big deal. That's why we're here. And so we started to work and they both at times were furious with me, just furious. And I was able to show them the why. Well, when you do this, it causes him to do that. And when you do this, it causes her to do that. And so now you guys are in a vicious cycle to where you both need it because you'd have to change other. And so I taught them and at the end, They actually said, we've been married almost 40 years, multiple. And after a couple of months with you, we've made more progress in our marriage than in 40 years and three other therapists, some of which we saw for years. Why? And I told them, because we got immediately to the why. That's all that mattered to us is what's causing this. And when I showed it to you and the, the guy started laughing, he goes, I was pissed at you. (laughs) For weeks, because you showed me what was so hard, and I know I lashed out at you, and it was uncomfortable in session. I said, "You bet it was," but that's my job is to realize it's nothing personal. And he he was very grateful, and he ended up in the end um, having a few tears that he quickly wiped away because he didn't want to see me to see him have emotion. And she just came and gave me a, a hug and just said, "Thank you so much. Our marriage is just different than it's ever been." We're working on it. We actually have plans of, of what to work on. It's no longer just, hey, I don't feel appreciated. But now there's exactly why I don't feel appreciated. And I know why he's doing it. It's not because he doesn't appreciate me. It's because of things I was doing. So we each have the thing to work on. And we can't just blame the other person. We have to look in the mirror when we say, did I do that with the way I behaved? And so that's why the why matters. And this couple told me, why wouldn't somebody give us this 40 years ago? We could have had such a different life. And they did have a much happier life and, and they loved it. And I, I ended up finding out later, what a great thing. One of my favorite couples. One of my favorite couples. That's why the why matters. You know, and so so as you're looking at this, let me tell you some symptoms in marriage therapy of people who don't know the why. You know, so some people are like, How do I know this? Well, I'll share with you some of what you get out of the assessment. An easy one to tell a lot of marriage therapists will say when things aren't going well for the couple and i've heard this countless times they will come out and say well you two are codependent
2: i was just going to ask about that because when you said well he does this and it causes her to do this which causes him to i was going to say so my first impression would be oh that sounds like codependency i'm not trained
1: and it may be or it may not but let me tell you what codependency is codependency is I'm doing something that's harmful to me and those around me, but you are willing to enable me to do that even though it still hurts you because I somehow enable a bad habit of yours. And so the simple example would be, you know, one, one part of a couple is, uh, let's say the guy, I see it often with these genders, but it could be reversed, so, so don't uh, don't think that it has to be these genders. So, oftentimes, the male is somebody who um, is, you know, they're, they're okay with having, uh, well, how do we put this? The male wants sex. <laughs> let's just keep right. The, right. the male wants sex and wants companionship, and they're, they, they struggle to attract companionship And somebody that will be intimate with them and so they oftentimes uh, these are the ones that many people uh, extreme blue-collar oftentimes struggles with this and and those uh, that uh, have addictions of their own and so uh, they will often attract a drug abused female Mm -hmm. and so this drug abusing female steals from them um, is zonked out half of the time but anytime she needs drugs she'll give sex right you can see how this is terribly unhealthy she's engaging in an intimate relationship that is incredibly harmful to her psychology but it's worth it to her to get the drugs and she doesn't even like this guy many times he's just the provider of money and drugs he is not happy having a drug abusing uh, partner but it's better than being alone and you know the the risk of even getting a, a disease through needles and, and that type of thing. Uh, that that's not as bad as being without uh, intimacy and without sex. And so that's what codependency is. I'm enabling you to hurt me and everybody else because you give me something, and you allow me to use you because even though it hurts me and everybody else, because somehow it enables something I want to do. So. That's what codependency is. And what we'll get many marriage therapists that aren't quite seven-point providers saying is, they'll say, oh, the two of you aren't getting along and you're still together. You're codependent. That's ridiculous. And oftentimes what it is is, no, one person's more selfish than the other. They're not willing to look at themselves. And it takes a guy like me saying, wait a minute, you're not willing to look in the mirror. You want to be able to say, you did this wrong their uh, young lady but the guy's not willing to look in the mirror and say okay what did i do wrong am i that am i kind of like our mean girls you remember our mean girls uh podcast yeah very good at recognizing other people's warts and scars and things they do wrong completely oblivious that i'm doing the same thing that is really common in marriages that struggle Is there's a complete blind spot that I'm doing the very thing in a different manner than the other person that I'm getting at. And so what do the two and the three and the one point providers say? Oh, you have a codependency because you two aren't happy. It's not a healthy marriage, yet you're still together. Well, that's that's malarkey. So if you hear them throwing around codependency, that's a common one that I hear maybe up to half of the time in marriage therapy. When the people come in and they're worse off, if at best they're no, they're no worse, the majority of the time they are worse off for having come in and gotten bad therapy. Because then the person who's enabled from that, that bad therapist comes out saying, oh, see, I'm, and that's the other one is they'll come out saying, I'm abused, not physically or emotionally, but they're trying to control me. And so control is the second one that you will see with providers who aren't worth their sweat. They'll come out and say, well, and this typically what I hear is the man is not allowed to control the woman. And I agree with that sentiment, but then they don't define what is control. Right. They just take it as he's controlling because he's demanding. What is he demanding? Well, many times what I hear is I'm demanding that if you want me home, you need to be home equal amount of time. If you want me to do the dishes, you need to do the dishes equally. And they'll they'll say, well, I do the dishes all day, right? But he's at work working all the day. Are you, outside of when he's at work and your work, then who does the dishes? And they don't like that half of the time, especially if it's somebody who is a little bit spoiled, uh, a prince or a princess. And they will then say, no, no, no! Wait a minute. When I get home, or when he gets home, he takes over, and I've had I've had it reversed too. Um, and so, what we see there is then suddenly the bad therapist will say, "Well, there's a control issue. There's a control issue." And you already know me. Control's a symptom; it is not a cause. So we start looking at it, and we say, "Why?" Well, what it comes down to in many of these is. When you get married, here's a spoiler alert for many people that that jump into marriage therapy. Spoiler alert, I'm about to tell you the answer before I tell you the joke. When you get married, what you are agreeing to is to allow a spouse to control you 50% of your life. And you are seeding 50% of their seeding, so you're each agreeing, the other person gets to control me 50% of the time. That's what marriage is. And wow. so, if you think you're coming into marriage and you're not going to allow them to control you, well, then you're not ready to be married. You're ready to have a boyfriend and still be a teenager. You need to grow up. You can see why many people—I don't say it that way—why <laughs> many people they hate my marriage therapy because we then show you don't have a problem of control here. Now, there are cases where there was abuse and it was a control issue, and I didn't—I didn't say any of this to them. Instead, I said. You're abusive and you need to stop it. I'm calling the police if it happens again. Right. You know what I mean? But no, how many of the couples come in and they want to hear, "Okay, young man, what you are is you've been spoiled and you're refusing to cede 50% of the control to your wife." Right. And maybe it's cuz your parents never never made you do what you're supposed to. I don't know. There's there's many reasons to why there that would be the individual therapy that normally results in good couples therapy. Mm-hmm. But you can see there how there's bad therapists will come in with control issues and you're being abused because they're trying to control you and you're you're a codependent. These are all things that are red flags that immediately shoot up where I go, I got a lot of work to undo the bad therapy that these people have done because the person doing it never saw the why. Right. That's why it matters.
2: It, it- Sounds like, I mean, some some of the things you said that um, controlling is a symptom, not the cause. And I think that on the face of it, a lot of people might feel like, oh, no, no, we, we talked about the why. But when you said that, that was the first time for me to say, wait, controlling is not the why? That's, that's not the cause? That's a symptom? And so I think having these separate buckets and putting these conclusions in the right buckets is, is something that patients and a lot of providers probably don't even do, where we think, oh, no, no I learned the why because he's controlling, because she's controlling. And you're saying, no, no, you got to go a few levels deeper than that to actually get to the why. That's not a why. That's a symptom. That's, that, that was a little bit mind blowing for me right then.
1: Well, and that's the difference between a, a one, two, or a three-point provider and a seven-point provider. Right. I spent thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of hours studying psychoanalysis, psychodynamics, you know, um, and looking at all these things till I finally started to understand these things. That's what it takes to be an elite provider, to where you can see the why. You know, I can't tell you how many times um, the the simple example I gave was, yeah, um, I worked with one couple. And you bet, um, one of the big things, well, I'll, I'll be honest, it's the elderly couple. And one of the big problems was that woman had never come to grips with the idea that he got to control 50% of her life. Right. You no, know, she was struggling with the idea that he got to control anything in her life, yet she ruled the roost in the home. Mm. And so then she was mad that he was always out of the home. And so there we had to talk about why is he out of the home? Well, if you had no say, and and somebody got control more than 50% of your life, but they didn't get to control any of yours, now all of a sudden, you've become the parent to them. This is a grown man. Why would he want to have a parent? He wants to have somebody he's intimate with. Well, now you have a parent-child type relationship where you're butting heads. How is the physical intimacy Going to be with those two people. So, and for males, we know that is a very rewarding thing to show you accept me as a man, as your provider, as that champion.
2: I was going to ask, how does that make him feel?
1: Please, what's that? Sorry, I was was saying, I was, and I was going to
2: ask, how does that make him feel if she's not willing to come to the middle and offer what she's asking, what she's demanding? You know, I mean. I imagine that would
1: affect the dynamic a bit as well. It did, and in fact, with both of these couples, the male and the female, I finally got them to the root of it to where they could hear it, and the root was they trusted me but not each other, and I finally told them, neither of you are willing to hear what you're doing wrong. You're only focusing on the other person, and a marriage cannot last when that happens. You don't have a marriage when that happens. You basically have a friendship with, and many times not even friendship, with the benefits of, of physical in, intimacy. And so okay. as people look at this, if they come into marriage therapy or any other thing and they want to know the why, they better be sure they want to know the why. Because oftentimes it's the very thing you've been hiding from. Oh, I've been spoiled. My parents never made me look at the mirror. Now suddenly I have to? This is really hard. You know, I, I, I saw the, 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 the sweet lady, and they changed – Within, um, I saw them for about nine or 10 months, I believe. And within that nine or 10 months, you saw them totally transform who they were. And you saw them totally change because when they were willing to look at it and they were willing to, it started with me in the the session. And then they would come back and they'd practiced it at home. They'd actually tried it at home. They'd come and talk and then where they were struggling, we'd work on it. And then they tried it at home and then we'd work on it to where they got the first thing they struggled with, that was pretty easy later on. And now they were to the more complex things and they were just gathering, but it all started. I had to actually work with that lady and say, if you don't get to the point that you can hear something that's wrong with you, it's not going to work. And I had to say to him, if you don't learn to say it in a manner that is more gentle, she's never going to hear it. And so you saw they each had something to learn. But the harder thing there was she actually came in and said, I have never had to look in the mirror now that you've said it, and I hate it, and I'm still struggling with it. But how much strength did she show to admit that? That's where that's where you finally saw the ice chip off and the two of them start to work together. And so oftentimes that's hard for the, for the princes or the princesses is when they have to admit, I've never been pushed to look in the mirror. And that's where the why, I can take you to the why and I can show you multiple examples and that will be the first time. And and half of the time what they'll do is they'll say, I refuse to go back, he was too mean. And what are they really saying? I can't tolerate to look in the mirror and see right. that. So yeah. this is why the understanding the why matters. Because even though certain people go away from me and they say, he was terrible, I hated him for doing that, he was just mean to me, guess where they come back to when they're finally ready to get better?
2: person and showed them the why.
1: Yes, and it's so common that people fire me and they're nothing to do with me. And then they later call back and say, well, we could try it again. And when they come back, they say, I've been thinking a lot about what you said. And then they they come back and and there's never any hard feelings. Of course, this is all part of you you growing and maturing and and gaining that strength. Just fine. If you need time, I'll give you time. And if if your excuse you need to get a little time is you're fired, I can't stand you. Fine, I welcome you back when you are ready to heal. And so I've even had some that went and and went to two and three and four point providers that put them in that comfort cocoon where when you're in session, I'm going to tell you you're wonderful and that you're 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 such a victim and I'm going to tell you that you did nothing wrong and that you don't have to even look in the mirror and you're going to feel good for the hour you're in with them. And then the second it ends, you feel rotten again because life comes back and it's still hard and you didn't gain any ability to look in the mirror or any new strength. And those people then come back to me after going through one, two, sometimes even three other providers, they come back to me and they, what do they, what do they say? okay and now they work on it and then eventually once we get them good enough they don't need me they say i've been avoiding this for my whole life thank you for being so patient and my answer is you're welcome that's my job no hard feelings whatsoever so that's why the why matters because what if you were one of those people who weren't quite to the point that you could handle hearing the full truth and so you needed to fire me if i didn't understand the why behind it I might be offended not letting you come back in, where the truth is I could help you. I really could. So me understanding the why helps me to be patient with you to where there's no hard feelings. I, I still can't think of a single patient who I wouldn't be happy to see.
2: Right.
1: Cool. So I, I think we've talked through it. How do you feel about uh, about our explanation of why the why matters so much? Is that Was that how she asked the question? Um, yeah, it was, sorry, let me pull that back up. here. Um,
2: does the why really matter that much?
1: What's so about? that's an answer to the question that you've waited this long. If you've listened to our podcast to hear, the simple answer is, oh yeah, it matters that much and more. So right. so uh, I encourage you guys, if you want to understand why the why is so important, go ahead and watch that, that webinar with the three false beliefs and, and we, we really hammer that in there. And um, I hope the examples that I've shared with you today, now given, hey, everybody out there, if you think um, you know these patients, just know I always change a lot of the demographics and the situations for these patients so that you're not getting the real story. Um, That's normal, because I'm going to protect them. Uh, And so sometimes uh, what would be a pediatric patient, uh, I'm telling you other things, but everybody's privacy is definitely kept your but the the points and the and the situations that we're doing those are real and and so and they matter uh but their privacy also is extremely important and the other thing is it's so common with all these different things we start to see a lot of stuff overlap to where uh, you know you hear a story you may think it's you and actually i've had one patient when i was teaching a seminar say to me you were talking about me weren't you no no but that was my exact situation and i say to them You think you're the only one who was struggling with that? Do you really think you're alone? It feels like you're alone, but you're never as alone as you think. More people understand what you're going through than you ever will know. And I can't tell you all the people, but you are not alone. Don't give up hope. There are more people, and they get better from the exact thing you're struggling with. And they, wait, that really wasn't me. That really wasn't you. I would never tell a story with an active patient or with somebody I'm currently working with or somebody that might be there. Heavens no, never do that. And they're like, but it sounded just like me. I know, sounded just like you, but you're not alone. And so that was encouraging to many of them. Hey, maybe I'm gonna be okay if there are other people that get over this, so. Right. And that's that's the reason the why matters is because then we can help them get over it. So any parting comments here, Jerem?
2: I'd just like to mention that the webinar that you've uh, mentioned several times, the Three False Beliefs webinar, is at universityelite.com forward slash webinar. And in that webinar, you can get the the secret link to the assessment tool and training. And um, we'll put that in the show notes as well on both the the podcast and the video. I wanted to mention that. And then um, the only other thought just on the topic, of, you're just saying how many people know the same things. I heard once that about 80% of the people that come in for therapy, it's it's like repeat business, um, not repeat business, but repeat um, situations where it's basically the same thing that that you've seen over and over. There's probably very few. Really rare, like, oh, I've never seen this before kind of situations
1: yeah, there's truth to that, but it, the yes and no is the simple answer. Yes, and I'll give you the example. Yes, because repeat over and over people with depression come in, and I'll see a chemical imbalance mm-hmm. but no two people's reason for having a chemical imbalance is the same, and right. so on the superficial level, repeat, repeat, yes, they come in, and control is an issue in their marriage. But no two people have the same reason that control matters to them and that it's a problem for them. So, yes, we have repeat. But when you get down to the real why, not just these simple general whys that the the two and three and four point providers throw out, Mm -hmm. that's where it gets individual to where, no, in your life, this contributes to this, which contributes to that, which creates the problem. So, yes, chemical imbalance. Yes, control problems. Yes, you're, you're you're fighting know your individual reason that you're fighting matters. That's individual.
2: Right, okay. So I'm picturing an an intersection, Center Street in Maine, and 80% of the people from this town go through that intersection on their way to work. And somebody that's trained to watch the intersection assumes that they all came from the same place, and they're all going to the same place. But they all came from different homes, they all have different addresses, and they're all going to different businesses where they work. and but they are all coming through a common intersection. There's a convergence point there that that they all have in common, but it takes a little bit more to really assess where they came
1: from and where they're going. And that one, two or three point, maybe even four or five point provider, guess what? All they know how to do is recognize the intersection because that's all DSM-5 teaches us to do. That's all that most psychology and social work and, and counseling sessions, Training programs, not sessions, um, train us to do is just look at the intersection. You have to spend thousands of hours to learn to say, where does that road that leads to the intersection come from? So, great example. Thank you for sending that out there. That's a good one.
2: No problem. Thank you. I don't have (laughs) anything else
1: okay <laughs> So, fantastic. as always we appreciate you guys um love for you to subscribe um to these uh to our youtube channel or if you're if you're starting to grab these off of our uh off of our podcast we'd love for you to su- subscribe to that too uh, makes a difference and if you have questions like always ask the doc and we we look forward to the next time and uh, in the meantime everybody out there uh, universityelite.com is where you can get all of uh of this content as well as others and, um, and also, that webinar is at universitylead.com slash webinar, or you can go into the um, the uh, main page there, and it should be should be uh, down there uh, just below the the um, patient sign-in. So right. you can look there, too. Yep.
2: And that's where the Ask a Doc section is, as well, if you're wanting to ask a question. All, all right there. So... Yep. You so
1: that way you're not going to have to ask that question in there. You'll look at the Ask the Doc section and be like, hey, there it is. So right. um, in the meantime, uh, thanks again for another week. And you guys out there, be well.